0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. Uh, today we're talking about Spider-Man: Far From Home, the extended cut, and also uh, another movie that I saw over the weekend. Uh, so I'm your host, Alex Klein, and let's get started. So, like I said um, on Friday, I had that pre-recorded uh, podcast. I spent some time with my cousin who had come into town. Had a great time. We actually ended up watching *Brightburn*, which I uh, had seen previously. But I, it it was weird. Initially, I wasn't really looking forward to watching it. And um, that's just because when I had watched it the first time, I thought to myself, okay, this was a good movie, but I don't need to see this movie again. And weirdly enough, watching it a second time, I still really enjoyed it. And um, so I had originally given this movie a 7 out of 10. I'm sticking with my 7 out of 10. Um, For those of you who don't know, the movie is directed by David Yarovesky, written by Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn. But what I'm sure you guys do know is that it was produced by James Gunn, which is what everyone says. And this was a movie where, at the beginning, really irritated me the uh, um, the marketing for this movie because the movie was marketed as... From the um, visionary director of Guardians of the Galaxy was how they marketed this movie, and w- un- unknown as to what James actually did for this movie. I know his family. I think it was his. Uh, I think it's his. Cu- it's his uncle and his his cousin or something like that are the ones who who wrote wrote it. The Brian and uh, Brian and Mark. But he, he just produced it. So James didn't direct this movie. He didn't write this movie. He doesn't star in this movie. So to mislead audiences by saying that it's a movie by James Gunn is in my opinion it's sad because to me that means they felt that this movie was not good enough to stand up on its own that it needed somebody's name attached to it for it to be successful which is is very far from the truth. This movie is a really good movie. It's a really great look at sort of a what if scenario of uh, the Superman origin story of what you know what if Superman became evil or realized that he, you know, doesn't want to help out humanity, that he wants to just destroy humanity. So in that respect, it was a very interesting movie because that hasn't, I don't think that's been done before and certainly not to this level or recently. And it it stars Elizabeth Banks and David Denman as uh, the parents of Brandon Byer, who's played by Jackson Dunn, who you may all know from uh, Avengers Endgame. He plays the uh, younger version of Ant-Man when they're practicing time travel. And so yeah, it's a it's a really good movie. It's it's very the the jump scares are very scary. the 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 overall tone of the movie is very uh, is very somber and very scary because part of you wishes that you know oh maybe he's gonna end up being a good guy, but but you know at the end of the day that he's the whole point of this movie is he's gonna be a bad guy. So the whole time you're just watching in horror as he just ruins the lives of everyone around him, uh, both physically and mentally. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely check it out, because it's a it's a really interesting movie, and it's super short, too. I think it's only like an hour and a half. But, um, yeah, so we, we watched that movie, and then the main event, like I said, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, the extended cut, we did get to go check that out in theaters. And um, I'm really grateful that I got to see this movie again. And uh, there were a lot of observations that I took from it. This would have been my, um, I think this would have been my third showing maybe my fourth i think it was just my third though but um i liked it i still liked it as much as i liked it before uh i did adjust my rating just a bit and that's just because and, and that happens frequently with me i there are some times where i get stardust in my eyes in a movie and if a movie is really good i'll have stardust for a really long time and and, and I'm sure a lot of you have this sort of thing too, where you you see a movie the first time in theaters, and it's like, holy cow, this movie, this was the best movie ever. And you walk out of the theater thinking, wow, like that movie changed my life. And then you go, I got to go see this movie again. And you go see it, and maybe go see it twice, three times. And you're like, wow, this movie just this movie is going to hold up. And then ten years later, you watch that movie again, and go, oh wow, that was not as good as I remember it. And um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's just you know you're. You grow, you change your mind grows and evolves as well and so sometimes things that you thought were funny or good back in the day just either don't hold up now and, and I know that's happened to me many a times especially when it comes to CGI I'll think to myself like wow like this was this was a uh, you know the best CGI movie I've ever seen and then I watched that movie even like four years later and I'm like, oh wow that CGI is really bad like you can tell and uh, that bums me like I, I guess a really good example of that is uh and i found i'm finding a way to fit it into as many podcasts as i can is uh the mummy returns and uh, that whole franchise uh, scorpion king kind of not not so much on that because there wasn't as much cgi but um specifically the mummy returns like i said that movie changed my life i that was the first time i think i'd ever seen a movie with such a giant uh giant fight scene in, in the scene where all of the Anubis warriors are fighting against the, uh, Magi towards the end of the movie, and they're just, you know, they're, they're all lined up along the sand, and then all of the, the Anubis warriors pop up out of the sand, and they're all screaming, and they've got their sights, and, oh, it's just such a badass scene, and then they, you know, they charge at each other, and, uh, and then they just fight and fight. And it's, it's, I, when I was younger, when I saw that movie, like I said, for the first time in hell, for like the first 10 years of that movie, it was just like, holy cow. That fight, I mean, that fight, it didn't necessarily haunt my dreams, but it was, I, I dreamt about that fight all the time because of how cool it was. I used to watch it and put like, uh, used to put sound like music to it like actual like rock music and stuff that that had like crescendos right when they would start fighting just this bad you know badass sort of stuff and then i picked up uh i picked up the movies uh later on because i don't i had them on blu-ray or a dvd and so i I bought some blu-rays of it there was a steel book that best buy did that had all of them in it which was perfect because i needed the scorpion king too and uh and I'll say, like I said, I'm a huge fan of those movies. I'm not that big a fan of uh, *Mummy*, The Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I've only seen it once, and I should probably watch it again. But the fact that Rachel Wise is not in that movie uh, is just is a huge bummer in my opinion. I think that's why I don't like it as much. But when I rewatched it, that scene, the CGI... It's not that great, and I, to the point where I was Googling, and it was like, back in the day, that was a very, uh, talked about and expensive CGI scene, where people, it was like, that because that was right around the same time, I think, that the Matrix movies were coming out, like the Matrix Revolutions and Reloaded, and those had some pretty iffy CGI as well, and I think it was right around the same time, like, ooh, this is a, whatever, today doesn't hold up, and so, and it's a super bummer, it's a bummer, but, uh, same, same with Spider-Man, and only in the sense that some of the comedy, some of the jokes didn't land so well for me on this time, and uh, a couple of other things on it, but certainly nothing to make me go, I never want to see this movie again, Like it was a great movie, and when I tell you that I bumped the score down, I just bumped it down from a 9 to an 8, it was still, still a great movie. Um, And I'm questioning whether it's my favorite live action Spider-Man movie. My favorite Spider-Man movie is Into the Spider-Verse. But um, in terms of live action, this might be my favorite live action movie. Um, And uh, and so I'm going to talk about this briefly. If you guys are actually still haven't seen it or you're wanting to avoid spoilers, then maybe skip ahead a little bit. But I'm going to talk the extra scenes that I noticed in this film. So there's the uh, Peter Parker running his errands scene, which is ri- very quickly right in the beginning of the movie. It's r- right after him and Ned are talking at school, and he's like, "So what are you, you know, what are you up to now?" And he's like, "Well, I gotta go get a dual headphone adapter. I gotta go get my passport, and I gotta take down." And he says it really fast. I couldn't hear it, but he says the something crime family. And he's like, "Okay, cool, have fun." And then uh, Spider-Man so kind of takes off and goes to the. And, and what was funny? and, and more of a, you know, they should have done this in the first place was that almost everything from that thing from that scene is in the trailers. So he goes to the, uh, the convenience store and talks to the guy there, says, I need a dual headphone adapter. I think he asks in Spanish or something. And the guy's like, your Spanish isn't that good. And then, um, he goes and gets his passport. Peter Parker here to pick up a passport, please. Uh, but the reason he runs up to the front was because he has like his little spider bug and his backpack flies out and opens up an extra lane for him at the DMV. I don't think that would ever happen in real life, but it was cute to see. And then taking down the crime family, it's almost it's almost the entire trailer. The, the piece they show in the trailer, there's not really not a lot extra, but it was still good because it was nice to see him in his iron spider suit one more time And uh, obviously that line where he's like, no, I'm too busy doing your guys' job. That line played really well for me in the trailer and it played really well for me in the theater too. And so I really enjoyed that. And and then there was one other scene that I think, I'm 95% sure that this was a new scene as well. It is right before the London attack. Um, Mysterio is kind of prepping everything with his team. And then if you remember, uh, Nick Fury comes out him and him and hill come out of the hotel or wherever they're at and he's like what are they talking about with Cree sleeper cells like i thought that was uh you know private information or whatever and then from what i remember was quentin beck then gets a phone call saying hey there's a disturbance in london we need you there and he's like i'm on my way and so this is a scene in between those two scenes that show how basically how dastardly Mysterio is and so it's it's that scene where they're in the parking garage with the uh, I think her name is Victoria the girl who's in the van setting up that pulse charge and so he's like he's talking with them and they're they're he's having a pep talk with the rest of his team who's there as well and he's like all right guys like cross your fingers this should work and so he presses the button or she presses the button the pulse goes out and then he goes, wait for it, wait for it. And then his phone rings and it's and he goes, yep, told you, it's Nick Fury. And Nick Fury calls and he's like, and he immediately gets into character like, oh, Nick, what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm on our way. And then he hangs up and he says, he says that line again that I really love. It may be one of my favorite lines in the movie. He says, don't ever apologize for being the smartest person in the room. And then um, takes off for London. And so those were the only two scenes that I noticed. They don't really add anything to the movie, but they were enjoyable. And the movie itself was, you know, phenomenal. And I know I didn't get to talk about it much, um, you know, on this podcast. I haven't really mentioned it, but I loved Spider-Man Far From Home. I thought it was a great movie. It really showed the power of what Sony and Marvel can do if they team up or if, you know, essentially if Spider-Man can be in the MCU. I personally loved all the callbacks to Iron Man. It seemed like almost every scene had something with Iron Man in it, whether it was a mural or, you know, paintings on the wall, drawings, that sort of stuff. Uh, And then the cinematography was great. That tulip scene is phenomenal. The, uh, the entire Mysterio sequence is probably one of my favorite MCU moments when Peter is going through the the school and then you know all the different Spider-Man are crawling on top of him and then he's in the the uh, graveyard and then he's in the the uh, snow globe and then when he uses Peter Tingle to defeat Mysterio that part was just as amazing just because of how quiet the the cinema kind of gets when he's like <sighs> and then closes his eyes, and then it's just, and then he just starts, you know, busting up all the drones, and those scenes were so good, every, any scene with Tom Holland was great, Tom Holland absolutely kills it as Peter Parker, I like, um, Ned, but Ned didn't have as much to do in this movie in my eyes, he was great as the romantic interest for Betty, and I really enjoyed that whole thing, I loved his whole, his, his whole interaction with, uh, MJ, that was great, and, uh, really showed, you know, that awkward teen sort of thing. And, uh, I'm trying to think, oh, the teachers are hilarious. There's a lot of really funny jokes in there. Like I love when, uh, flash gets, uh, you know, in the nuts when he's recording his, uh, his flash mob, uh, <laughs> live stream. And then, uh, I'm trying to think, there's a couple of other lines that still had me laughing, but the fights in this movie are are way better than the homecoming fights, in my opinion. Though, nothing in this movie really gets as close as that scene with the vulture in in his car when he figures out he's Spider-Man. But still, Mysterio is is one of my favorite villains, uh, Spider-Man villains. And so, to see him on screen and to see him done with such justice to and such reverence for the character in the comics I thought was phenomenal the way that they were able to take so much from his character in the comics the fact that he was a projectionist or an illusionist um the whole suit the way the suit was designed the whole him being kind of a manipulator All of that I thought was great and that they were able to enhance the character more so because that's really all he is in the comics. And he, I mean, he's done some crazy stuff like when he got Wolverine to kill all of the X-Men because he tricked him. Like he's, Mysterio is powerful if he puts his mind to it. But in this movie, it was made out that he is the guy who designed Barf And he is, uh, you know, he wants the fame and the glory. So all of that's still the same. But the fact that it was such a great connection to Tony Stark is what I love the most, too. I love that that whole tie in with the MCU. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal just did such a phenomenal performance. It reminded me a lot of his performance in Nightcrawler, where he is pretending to be one person, but he's actually another. And both of the people are kind of, you know, creepy. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I can't praise this movie enough. When it comes to the controversy with Sony and Disney, however, there's a couple things I want to point out real briefly. So I saw um, that I think they were saying that the movie was going to make roughly like $7 million this weekend, which is uh, huge, a big deal. I'm looking on Box Office Mojo right now, and the estimates, the four-day weekend estimates for it are putting it at $4.2 million, which uh, for any naysayers out there, look at it this way with that said last week spider-man was number 15 in box office it was it was at uh 15th place and with that this weekend it is now going to move up to eighth place so having this re-release puts it back into the top 10 movies of the week not only that but the 4.2 million dollar weekend gross is an 153 percent increase in sales which is crazy to think about because i think last week it made it made uh Maybe a million, million and a half, something like that. Not only that, but it increased its theater count as well. So um, it was at... It, it increased it by 2,154 theaters, which is really impressive, guys. That's awesome. That means that it's essentially a full release. So, yeah, it didn't make $10 billion. It didn't make, you know, $15 million even. But the fact that it increased its profits just a little bit, that's, I, that's the whole goal, right? That's all they're wanting to do is increase their profits a little bit. Did they need to? No, they didn't. But I think Sony was trying to show that... Um, i don't know i mean when's the last time you saw a movie get re-released in theaters with extra footage that was seamlessly put into the movie avengers endgame didn't do that and uh, curiously uh, midsummer was also re-released this weekend and um wow actually so midsummer was re-released with 23 minutes of extra footage so if you're really looking for that, go for it. It only it, it's in 30 it was in 39th place last weekend, 20th place this weekend now because of that. Made $650,000, which you may scoff at and say is not a lot, but that is an increase of 1217% over the prior weekend. That's awesome. That's really great. So that's another reason a re-release with more footage should be uh, celebrated and they added 632 theaters as well for midsummer which prior it only had it looks like 44 theaters so um both on the same weekend too which is really interesting um but yeah and in terms of the box office in general really nothing happened this weekend angels Fallen's looking like it's going to be number one again at uh, 11 million so it's a a really quiet box office weekend for sure but the reason I said that was everyone was saying and and snapping pictures of their movie theater having no one go to show up well guess what some people did show up and it was the people who actually wanted to see this re-release and I'll you know to their credit when they were doing that I got really angry and I made I made a, uh, a post on Twitter about it because um, I, I just I don't get why people are celebrating negativity. It it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Why to 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 take the time to take a screenshot of the movie theater of a movie that you're not planning on going to see and saying, "Hey, check this out, no one's here." When it's a pre-order at this point, like you've taken the photo on Thursday, the movie doesn't come out till Thursday night or, you know, for some people they're not going to see it till Friday or the weekend, and it shows no one's in the theater or maybe one ticket's been sold. Well, Okay, that's the same with for a lot of movies, not just a re-release movie. Like, a lot of movies are that way up until the point they come out, especially ones that people don't know a lot about or, in this case, that maybe they've already seen. But regardless, it's still just, I don't know, it doesn't... What, what are you trying to gain from that? Are you trying to um, incite some outrage with somebody to go, Aha, we knew it, Sony sucks, everyone's boycotting Sony. Well, they're not because Sony is now top 10 this weekend again and made a little bit extra money. And beyond that, my theater, when I, cause when I saw that tweet, I was like, "Uh Oh, I'll let me see what my theater is looking like. And none of, none of them had anyone in it. And that's because I couldn't access it from the app. And eventually when I could access it from the app, it was like, no one's there. And it's like, okay, that's because no one could access it. It was like a weird glitch in the AMC app. But, um, when we went in there, there were probably, it was four of us that went and saw it. And there were probably another, I don't know, six to 10 people in the theater and, that's i i'd say that's a good amount because um i love those movies where there aren't a lot of people in the theater it makes it nice we were laughing a lot and and that's just because i you know my brother i was gonna i had asked him if i said you know you're welcome to come on the podcast whenever you want just let me know and he was like oh well i don't know if you want to have someone who has a negative view on disney and marvel and I said, well, that's the whole point of having a discussion and having differing opinions—is that it makes for interesting uh, listening, right? Like, I'm sure you guys would all love to hear what my brother thought of this movie because he did not like Spider-Man: Far From Home at all. And much in Stevie's fashion, uh, he he liked it even less when the mid-credit scene rolled, and he he actually liked the end-credit scene but um yeah he did not like the mid credit scene and i don't know why because everyone like my other two cousins who were there were like oh that's awesome look that's jk simmons and stevie just he did not like how connected the movie was to yeah here's what i'll say after the movie got out stevie said i'm excited for sony to keep making spider-man movies that aren't in the mcu and i was like okay that's an interesting take i'd love to hear your thoughts more on it and then we we actually discussed it the day before during lunch and uh you know, I I was accused of being a corporate shill, but that was by myself, and I was doing it to to kind of deflect some of the things that he was saying. But I would really love to have a podcast episode that's just Stevie explaining why. I mean, obviously, I'll be there to try and 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 help the you know quote unquote the other side the uh, of Disney uh, because he's he has some very interesting views on the topic. And they're not unfounded. He's he's a really good debater. He's he's a he's a lawyer, so he, he knows his stuff. And uh, I would love to get him on here just so that you guys can get a differing opinion, so that we um, you know we keep all of our. Uh basically keep our minds open that way we're not just going down the rabbit hole of oh you know marvel's on uh, number one the best of all time if, if you don't believe me then you're you're wrong um we're supposed to have different opinions and that's that's the whole point of society so uh, maybe that'll be something we'll do at the end of the year when we're going over our um our top movies of the year sort of thing but with that said those are the two movies that i saw this weekend so if you get a chance i'd check out uh, spider-man just to see those extra scenes I uh, did not feel depressed at all during the movie thinking, oh, it's going to go back to Sony. The only time really was that end credit scene or the mid credit scene only because I was like, well, I really hope they deal with it. As long as Sony deals with that, you know, Spider-Man's identity being out in the world, they don't really need to worry about anything else because they can still they still have all of their villains. They could cast a really great person as the next villain in the next movie and have it be another self-contained story in New York. That has nothing to do with the Avengers or with Tony Stark because you've dealt with Tony Stark now, right? We've gotten two movies with him. We do not need to have a third movie dealing with Spider-Man, figuring out what his life is like now that Tony Stark's gone. Uh, It would be really cool to see how Sony does that because the best part about that is if they do their best to make the movie feel like it's in the MCU with no real direct references to the MCU, maybe one day they come back together and make a deal and then Disney says, you know what? Fine. We'll allow it. These, these ones that you made in your absence, they're, they're canon. They're part of the MCU because Tom Holland's in them. And, uh, that, that would be really cool is if you got something like, imagine if I'm trying to think of what another example would be, but I will shoot. No. Imagine if Marvel studios, imagine if Marvel studios actually got the rights to Spider-Man back and said, and maybe they did this with Fox too, but said all of those movies are canon. All of the old Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield Good Bad and the Ugly, they're all canon. They're just from different universes, just like in the comics, like they're in a they're in a different multiverse. Like this one's uh Tobey Maguire's from Earth 629 and um Tom Holland's from the main MCU and then uh Andrew Garfield is from Earth 666 uh, because I didn't like those movies. I didn't like the second one, but um but it, that, that would be really cool like that'd be a really great day to celebrate so i don't know we'll see we'll see that's that's about all that i've got on that but yeah so uh thanks so much for listening guys uh, i really enjoyed talking about spider-man i love this movie check it out if you get a chance and i look forward to talking with you guys again about whatever movies i see next thanks again i'm your host alex klein and this is comics and cinema <music>